Angeles, California, we present the program of the Voice of Prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these latter days, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. We invite you to listen to our broadcast and share with us the mutual blessing and inspiration of this hour. More about Jesus I would know, more of his grace to others show, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me. Father, author of liberty, we pray thee to continue to rule and overrule in this great war and in the councils of the nations. That complete victory shall come to the cause of freedom and a peace that shall defend the few as well as the many in their right both to worship thee and to proclaim thy word in all the world as thou hast commanded. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, who hast in thy great mercy promised forgiveness of sins to all who with hearty repentance and true faith turn to thee. We come to thee, have mercy upon us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, create in us new and contrite hearts to walk in thy commandments and bring us to everlasting life in paradise through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There is a place of quiet rest Near to the heart of God A place where sin cannot molest Near to the heart of God 
Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us who wait before thee, near to the heart of God. We bring you greetings, friends, and from our mailbag, just a few lines from recent letters. First of all, from a missionary in the Belgian Congo, Africa. Every Tuesday night, he states, we listen into the Voice of Prophecy rebroadcast from Lorenko Marx, Mozambique. It's an excellent program. My heart fairly glows as Christ and the Word of God are preached. The talks are so full of scripture texts, it's good to hear men preach like that nowadays. Second, from a farmer from New York State. I am more interested, he affirms, in Bible prophecy than anything in the world. I listened to your recorded program this morning over our local station while working in the barn. I thought it would be of interest to you to know that even farmers milking cows and doing chores are interested in hearing God's plan of salvation revealed to them. Third, a young lady from West Virginia writes, I enjoy your program so very much, Voice of Prophecy. I can hardly wait until the time comes. Really, I would rather listen to your program than to eat when I'm hungry. I pray that God will help to make your broadcast the very best. God bless your work always. Now here, friends, is a minister in Africa. A farmer in New York and a young lady in West Virginia, each a symbol of thousands in life's great pattern of people who hear and who are blessed by the gospel radio broadcast. Won't you tell somebody else about the voice of prophecy? Write to us for radio logs to distribute among your friends. If this is the first time you have listened, won't you remember the time and station? Join hands with us in making the voice of prophecy a mighty universal witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're counting on your help. And now... The King's Herald sing that beautiful song of surrender, moment by moment. Dying with Jesus by death reckoned mine, living with Jesus a new life divine. Looking to Jesus till glory does shine, moment by moment.
And now, the voice of prophecy, his subject, one thing at a time. All life is built on one thing after another. We take one breath at a time. We're kept alive by one heartbeat at a time. And we live just one minute at a time. We meet the problems of life just one day at a time. And we have the promise of God's word that as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Deuteronomy 33:25. When tempted to worry about the future which we cannot foresee, it's good to remember that old saying, don't cross the bridge till you come to it. Just meet things as God brings them to you, one at a time. We have his promise to be with us every day, even to the end, and he always keeps his promises. Would you like to hear the testimony of a man 110 years old? Here it is. If ever a man stood on the promises of God, Joshua was that man. He was one of the twelve spies to spy out the promised land, and he was one of the two who gave a good report. He admitted there were giants in the land and mighty cities to conquer, but he said, The Lord is with us, fear them not. I'm reading Numbers 14. After Moses died, it was Joshua who became commander of the armies of Israel and led them into the promised land. It was Joshua who marched around Jericho. It was Joshua who went against Ai. It was Joshua who at the battle of Gibeon commanded the sun and moon to stand still. It was Joshua who said, You may worship your heathen gods, but no matter what you do, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When at last Joshua was an old man, 110 years old, he called the people together and reviewed the whole history of Israel to them and to the children that were born at that time. Then he bore this thrilling testimony, the first-hand evidence of a man who knew. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you and not one thing hath failed thereof. Joshua 23:14. Think of it, not one thing had failed. As the years had gone by, all that God had promised had come to pass, one thing at a time. Forever sure God's promises, like sun and star, like day and night. Our desert wanderings were far and fierce and hot the foes assailed. Yet all along the Canaan road, not one has failed. It's amazing how important one thing can be. You may have the finest car on the road, but when there's no more fuel in the gas tank, it's sure to stop. Not long ago, a storm in the high Sierras broke just one copper wire, and a whole city was thrown into darkness. In Nevada, one rail was maliciously loosened and the streamlined train left the track, causing many lives to be lost. Dr. Pentecost, the well-known preacher, 
tells of being caught in a blizzard high up on Pike's Peak. His life depended upon one match. With it, he was able to kindle a fire and thus avoided freezing to death. We've all heard the old story of the college professor who, while being rowed across a a wide river, looked at the hard old boatman and said, My friend, do you know anything about psychology? No, never heard of it. Then you've missed a quarter of your life. You ever studied biology? No. Then one half of your life is lost. Do you know anything about sociology? No, I left school in the third grade. Then you've lost three quarters of your life. Just then there was a swirl in the river. The boat capsized and they were both thrown into the water. When they came to the surface, the boatman yelled, Hey, Professor, do you understand swimology? No, he gasped. Then you've lost the whole of your life. Well, there's a lesson in this old story. The professor knew many things, but he did not know the most important thing and needed to know just then. This phrase, one thing, is found in some important places in the scriptures. We'll mention several of them. In the 21st chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, we read about some gentlemen of extraordinary educational qualifications who challenged the authority of Jesus to carry on his work. They asked, who gave you this authority? That was supposed to be unanswerable, for Jesus had no degree from their schools, no official authority, whatever. But listen to his reply. He could read their hearts. He knew that they would not express any conviction if it endangered their popularity. So he closed their mouths with these words. I will also ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Then he asked them by what authority John the Baptist preached. He said, the baptism of John, was it of heaven or of men? They were afraid to answer. If they said it was from heaven, he'd say, why didn't you accept him? If they said it was from men, then they were afraid the people would oppose them because the people thought John was a true prophet. And so this question of Jesus was the one thing they didn't want to hear and didn't want to have to face. My friend, if there's one thing, one decision hard to make in order to come over onto God's side, don't avoid it or refuse to face it because of what people might say. Decide it right today. In Mark, the 10th chapter, we find the story of the rich young man who came to Jesus and said, Good Master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Then Jesus said, Keep the commandments. He said, Which? And Jesus quoted, you remember, from the first, or the last table, rather, of the law, and left out the first. He just quoted our duty to man. The young fellow said, I've kept all this. What lack I yet? Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. That's verse 21. There's the phrase again, one thing, one thing thou lackest. What did he lack? What was the one thing he needed? He needed to make God first in his life. He was breaking the very first commandment of all. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And worst of all, he didn't know it. His property, his real estate, his bank account took first place in his heart. His wealth was his God. Poor boy, the scripture says that Jesus loved him. What a chance he had. Evidently well-educated, good family, good morale, good training, high ideals, desire for heaven. Jesus loved him, but he lacked one thing, just one thing. Our third reference is Luke 6, 9, another of Christ's famous questions. He was about to heal a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And these men sitting around were already criticizing 
the loving Savior in their hearts, for what they thought he was about to do. He could read their hearts. He said, I'll ask you one thing, just one thing. That's all he needed to ask. I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? Then he healed the man right there before them all in church. Just healed him with a word, the word, the same word that had brought worlds into existence and which today speaks peace to troubled hearts. Christ himself had made the Sabbath in the beginning. He knew how to observe it. Yet these men were criticizing. Didn't want him to heal anyone or bless anyone. Break up the schedule of the Sabbath services. Religious prejudice had closed their hearts to the one thing they needed to know. We come next to the 10th chapter of Luke. Jesus enjoyed the restful hospitality found in the home of Martha and Mary with their brother Lazarus at Bethany. Martha was a busy worker. One day when she was cumbered about much serving, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her help me. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. But one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen it. If Martha is the symbol of service, Mary shows us the worship of her grateful and loving heart. She knew more than the others because she had learned at Jesus' feet. She was not overwhelmed in the presence of death because she knew that Jesus was the resurrection and the life. She it was who said, If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Others came to Jesus, asking to have their needs supplied. But Mary came to worship him. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. That's one of our supreme needs today. In these troubled, rushing times, radio friends, there's one thing needful, and that is the time of communion at Jesus' feet. We need to take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus like him thou shalt be, thy friends in thy conduct his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy, speak oft with thy Lord, abide in him always, and feed on his of God's children, help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessing to see. The fifth text is John 9:25. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know. Whereas I was blind, now I see. This is the beautiful story of Jesus' healing and saving power. You remember? In the case of the man born blind. Just a poor man. No help for him. Jesus found him, made the clay, and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He obeyed Jesus and was instantly healed. Christ's enemies could not deny that a miracle had been performed. 
but they attempted to turn the attention of the people away from Jesus by getting the healed man to change his testimony. They said, give God the praise. We know this man, that is Jesus, is a sinner. And the man who had been so miraculously healed gave this wonderful testimony. Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know. Whereas I was blind, now I see. He knew one thing, you see. There's no doubt about that. And all their arguing could not shake his testimony. There are many things we do not know, friends. If God should give some of us a look into the future, we might be greatly troubled. The Bible says that the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Deuteronomy 29, 29. We do not know the day when Christ will come. Even the angels do not know it. Matthew 24, 36. It's best for us not to know, or God would have revealed it. We do not know when we're going to die if we do not live until Christ's coming. We do not know the secrets of the human heart, the mystery of human suffering. Oh, there are so many deep problems and questions in this world that you and I can never understand here. But there's one thing we can know. We can know that we have passed from death unto life. John 3.14 We may have the assurance, we may know that our sins are forgiven and covered with the precious blood of Jesus. We can have what Fanny Crosby wrote about, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. The Apostle John declares these things are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing he might have life through his name, John 20, 21. So truly we can say this one thing I know. We turn now to the words of Paul in Philippians 3, 13. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, friends, too many Christians are looking to the past. Talk about the great revivals of 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's a good thing to review God's blessings, but what about the present? What are you doing in God's work now? Methods may change, but the gospel is the same. Notice Paul doesn't say, this one thing I did, but this one thing I do. What about us? Can we say, this one thing I do? Is that our supreme desire, our heart's deep prayer? Is it that, to do the will of God? May God help us to do this one thing, one thing, I of the Lord desire. One thing I
cleansing this wonderful experience. Have faith in God, whoever you may be. Have faith in God on land and on the sea. Have faith in God. He cares for you and me. Have faith, dear friend, in God. Oh, say to the rock that is higher soul in its conflicts and sorrows would fly. So sinful, so weary, thine, thine would I be. Make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. 
the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.